I have to ask Evan, what prompted you to want to talk to parents about crisis management? Well, I was interested in talking to parents in part because I am a parent and because I know from my own conversations with my kids how important it is that kids actually learn about crisis management and learn, most importantly, how to avoid needing damage control or crisis management. And it's really hard, frankly, in this day and age with everybody having access to cell phones and tablets and computers close to 24-7. And I've just seen too many instances where we've been brought in by the parents in order to help their kids navigate crises that have been created. And if I can prevent one kid, one family from having to go through the turmoil, both legally as well as emotionally and psychologically, well, that to me is time very well spent. Hi, I'm Sandy Fowler, and you're listening to Mighty Parenting, a podcast where we explore parenting in a way that helps us and our kids find more happiness and fosters emotional wellness, even while solving problems with our teens and young adults. We learn through advice and stories from experts and other parents, and I'm so glad you've joined us. So welcome to Mighty Parenting, where we have real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults in today's world. Today's episode is sponsored by Inward Bound Mindfulness Education, IBME. Wondering what your teen is going to do this summer? Wish they had more, more focus, more compassion, more patience, more peace. Inward Bound Mindfulness Education understands and they offer exactly that to our kids. Through innovative formats and teaching frameworks, they teach teens and young adults mindfulness practices, practices they can use anywhere, anytime for ease and presence. Teens come out calmer and better able to manage stress and anxiety. They build deep listening skills, learn to navigate difficult emotions, and increase self-awareness. They feel more comfortable in their own skin. In fact, teens consistently comment on how much they love being in this community, feeling accepted and supported by peers and adults alike. And this summer, IBME is offering multiple in-person retreats, six throughout June and July. Attending retreat is a powerful experience where your child will learn mindfulness practices with the help of incredible staff and supportive peers. Visit ibme.com slash mightyparenting for details, dates, and registration. That's ibme.com slash mightyparenting. A quick tip from our sponsor, Trumi. One of the best ways to help kids learn to use cell phones in a healthy way is to model healthy smartphone habits ourselves. You can be intentional, set boundaries, and make a usage schedule for yourself. Then talk to your child about how they can do the same. Talk to them about what makes sense for them in using their smartphone. And if you want amazing support in helping your child develop those healthy habits, get a Trumi phone so you can set up appropriate access to everything on the phone right in the parent portal. Trumi lets you guide your child in learning to use smartphones in a safe and healthy way with plans that grow with your child. You can learn more at Trumi.com and use the code MIGHTYPARENTING, all in caps, to get half off a phone. And if you want to know more about my thoughts and how you can use Trumi, just send me an email at connect at MIGHTYPARENTING.com. Our conversation today is with Evan Nearman. Evan is founder and CEO of Red Banyan, an international crisis management and public relations firm. He's the author of Crisis Averted, PR Strategies to Protect Your Reputation and the Bottom Line. 
And today he joins us to shed light on things our teens do that can have a negative impact on their future. And he's also going to show us how to turn that around or what to do if our kids do something that's seriously problematic for them. Evan, welcome to Mighty Parenting. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to the discussion today. I am too. When your staff sent the email, I was very intrigued because I was like, hmm, crisis management. What's the parenting connection there? And then when I started looking, I'm like, oh my goodness, yes. And I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, social media, as we were saying before we even came in here today, it makes it really hard for kids today to to live and do things. And um, we talk, well, let's actually start there. You know, we talk a lot in the parenting world about social media and in the media, we hear about the adverse reactions. We know that it impacts our teen's self-esteem and mental health, but you have a different message. You know, most of the time parents are like, Oh, I just can't get my kid off their phone. It's, it's more of the, the time and the focus. Your message is a little different. What do you want parents to know about social media? Yeah. Well, look, as a parent of a 15 year old and a 12 year old, a boy and a girl, I'm well-versed in the uh, ongoing struggle to pull your kids away from the screens and to get them to pay attention and engage in real life with the people in front of them and put the phone down, no phones at at meals, et cetera. So I get from, from from a parent's perspective, how you want your kid engaged in the house. Uh, But part of what, what we're talking about today is I want to let parents know and just remain aware that there's more at stake than just a distracted kid who sucked into their phone. There can be real legal consequences. There can be emotional devastation that comes if the kids use the phone, or rather I should say if they misuse their phones and if they document bad behavior that they shouldn't be engaging in because there has never been a more challenging time to be a parent. And for kids, there are, this is a world that's fraught with risk, both the society that we live in right now, the rush to judgment, the fast moving news cycle. And then to top it all off, our kids are walking around in their pockets. They have the very device that can both enhance their lives, but use the wrong way. It can, it can ruin their lives. And it is scary. I actually was watching a show a little while ago where a college age girl was talking to her dad and she's like, whatever they're talking about, the stress and the social media and phones and all that. She's like, I understand all of this. I grew up in a technological fishbowl. And I just, that phrasing really struck me as a mom. It was something that I was concerned about with my girls, although I have to say mine are in their twenties now. So it was just a little less pervasive than it is now. Still a problem, but not quite as um, on the front page, you know, not, not as something we were as obviously concerned about and maybe should have been more concerned about, but Fortunately, so far, so good with them. So that idea of this technological fishbowl, you were talking about kids misusing their devices, and it's not just documenting their own activities, it's other people documenting our kids' activities that we would have to worry about too, right? Absolutely, because a 
in this day and age, and, and look, my, my work life is dedicated to helping good people and good organizations who find themselves in difficult, bad, or complicated circumstances. And in some cases, it's you're grappling with a bad decision by an individual, something that they captured themselves. In other instances, you're talking about a video being posted of someone else or of them, a video of them, photo of them posted by someone else. And the context can be off. It can have a caption that is inaccurate. It can assert things uh, that are simply not true. And so you run a real risk just by being out and about in the world. There have actually been instances where, for instance, a a teacher at a school was terminated and he wasn't terminated because of a picture that he posted to social media. He was terminated because one of the parents of a kid at the school happened to see a photo that he was in and observed that people at the party were drinking. And he was a high school teacher and it was a religious school. And the parent reached out to the principal and said, I saw this photo. I'm very disturbed. This was on social media. Isn't this Mr. So-and-so? He's not setting a very good example for the kids because, look, there's alcohol at this engagement. And the guy actually lost his job. And again, it wasn't because he posted a photo or his wife did. It was because some parent on social media saw a photo that he happened to be in. So you have to be really hyper aware at all times of what people can capture on their phones, what they may be sharing online that can have a negative impact on you. And that's a lot of pressure for any adult, but it's magnify that by 100 when you're talking about teenagers and kids. Well, and that's exactly where I went while you were talking, Evan, as I was like, oh my gosh, more stress to worry about. In the situation that you were sharing with me, granted, I'm not there. I don't know all the details. I don't know everything about his school, but I'm thinking it sounds to me like he himself wasn't doing something wrong. As you said, you know, he wasn't drinking. This wasn't he wasn't at a party. One of the kids was throwing. It wasn't a bunch of underage people drinking. He was at some kind of social event where people around him were drinking and he lost his job. So that kind of thing it's very scary for a parent to go, my kids just live in their life. Even if they're making decent choices, you know, they can get caught up in this or our kids need room to make bad choices. We all made bad choices. If my life growing up had been documented, I don't even want to think about that and what it would have done to my future, right? Because you are, you're a kid and you just, we, our children do not have brains that are capable of making the decisions that we're expecting them to make. So what can we teach our kids that can help keep them out of trouble, keep them from running into a crisis, and yet not make their life more stressful and not fun and and not give them the room to make the mistakes they need to make? Well, that's a great question. And I think with kids, you want to keep it short and memorable. You want to make sure that it sinks in. And the message that I have for the parents to then pass along to their own children is, is this, if you follow these two rules, you're going to go a long way towards eliminating most types of crises that come from oversharing on social media or posting inappropriate things. And that is, you just remember these two key things. One, 
share with care, and two, post with purpose. And by share with care, what I mean is you have to be really careful about what you put out on the internet. The example that I use when I, and by the way, I talk about this stuff. I walk the talk. This isn't just me in my wearing my professional hat and opining about what I think parents in a vacuum should do. I actually put this to use in my own life, dealing with my own kids who uh, sometimes they don't make great decisions. But the key for me is how do I talk to them on an ongoing basis so that I'm, I, I'm refreshing in their minds. This is not something that you do one and done. You talk about it once and then forget about it. You have to impress this upon them day in, day out and make sure that they understand it. When I say share with care, the example I used with my kids was wait to post pictures of us on vacation until we come back because there are plenty of people who, if you're posting pictures showing that we're backpacking in Peru, they now know that we're out of town and our house is completely empty. So there could be bad people out there who, who tap into that information. And once an image goes, you don't know where it's ultimately going to get posted. It's going to live forever online. And so you have to really share with care. You don't want to give away too much information about where you are and what you're doing at a specific point in time, because you can open yourself up to uh, people who don't have your best interests at heart. And then the second key point, so that's share with care. And when it comes to posting with purpose, what I mean is before you go and you hit post or you put that image up in Snapchat or you post an Instagram story, hit the pause button in your mind and say, what am I hoping to push out there with this content? What's the purpose of this? If it's something that you're very proud to put out and it has a bigger meaning and it reflects on you in a positive way, well, by all means go ahead and post it. But if you're about to say something that's harmful to someone else, or you're about to say something controversial or offensive, then think twice and, and make sure you understand what the purpose is of what you're posting. Because unfortunately, so much of what we do and say, if we capture it and then we share it, we don't know where that information goes and it becomes the first place that people turn when they want information about you is to look for it online. And I've seen far too many instances where, where kids and adults make bad decisions in the moment. They share things without care and they post things without pausing to consider the purpose. And then it costs them job opportunities. It does reputational damage and even in some horrible instances creates legal problems for them. So let's, let's start with our kids going, well, I'm just a kid. I don't have a job. I don't need to worry about that kind of thing. I'm a, I'm a kid and this is the life of a kid. What do you say to that? Did you do a pre-interview with my son? Cause I feel <laughs> like uh, he must've told you this almost verbatim. That's what I get from him is you don't understand. It's different now. We, you know, we live online. You don't get it. You're not with the times. And I understand that. But what I help him explain is, well, recently I was dealing with the case where a parent has a son your exact age, and he was arrested at school and led away in handcuffs, taken in a police car and booked, and ultimately had to leave the school because he didn't share with care and post with purpose. 
He posted a, a photograph of himself that was highly inappropriate. He wasn't wearing clothes and it was shared and it was reported to the school administration. And he was, they contacted law enforcement and he was actually charged with distribution of child pornography. So these things can get way out of hand very quickly. And our children, unfortunately, can make bad decisions that really impact and influence the trajectory of their lives. So when my son says, oh, you're just, you're overreacting, this is what we do, I say to him, look, I've seen it with my own two eyes, I've handled circumstances, and I want to make sure that you don't do anything today that you're going to have to pay a penalty for further down the line. And that's hard sometimes for a kid to understand, but it's a message that they need to hear. And I think that's why we need many conversations about this too, is, as I said, they don't have the fully formed brain and they don't have the decision-making portion of a brain in really enough, enough of a finished state to make these kinds of decisions. And they need discussion to help them form that part. So I think you know, we can walk through examples with them and go, what do you think could happen if, and, and toss some ideas out there, because that is one of the things I don't think parents realize that kids certainly don't know that, that one of the conversations we've had before is about the idea of sexting and sending photos to their significant others. And the fact of the matter is, is that, as you said, that is illegal and it's, it can be prosecuted, not to mention the idea of this can get shared. So that's another point to hit on, Evan, is what about the, well, I only did it. I noticed you mentioned Snapchat, you mentioned Instagram stories, things that are supposed to disappear. Right. What do we need to make sure our kids understand about that? They need to understand that there is no fail-safe way to ensure that that happens. And even though they may think they shared it on Snapchat, it goes away, there are actually very simple ways in order to capture things that appear. If someone has a second device, they can open something in Snapchat and they can take a, a capture of it. They can take a video of it. So this idea that they're somehow protected because of disappearing ink or a message that self-destructs, it's a fallacy. And it's, it's a false sense of security because where there's a will, there's a way. And you can absolutely always find a way to capture with screen grabs, with videos, with alternate devices. So anytime your kid tells you, oh, it's Snapchat, it fades, it goes away. I could tell you right before this call, like I got off of a, a discussion with an attorney and an adult. And part of the issue at play was posts that his previous employer had had shared on social media. And the lawyer was, was saying to the individual, even though it was an Instagram story, if we need to, we can go back and get that. It's discoverable. So this idea that, you know, the technology is so good and my, my, I would actually correct one thing you said, which is when these, when kids share naked pictures of themselves, I would say it's inaccurate to say it could get shared. I would say it's more accurate to say it absolutely will get shared. It almost always gets out there. What, what kids invariably say is just send it to me and, and no one else will see it. 
And I know that that's not true. And I've seen so many instances where a child made a decision to share an inappropriate photo, thinking only one person would see it. And then the next thing you know, the video has gone all around with their classmates. And, you know, at an age, especially when, when kids are very much influenced by what their peers think about them and their own self-esteem is in large part determined by how accepted they are with their classmates, to have the school see pictures of you in compromising situations or without clothing on is, is mortifying. And we know for a fact that in, in tragically in some instances, it leads to kids taking really extreme actions and it can even lead to substance abuse. It can lead directly to attempts or, or even them carrying out suicide. And it happens. It does. It's, is the inability for kids to escape what's happening at school. Even, even if they're doing well and happy and enjoying it and, and social, we all need a change of pace. We need a break. We need a break from work. We need, sometimes we need a break from home. You know, we need those different environments. And a, a lot of times our kids can't, can't get that. So we talked about social media. I'm curious if there's anything else in particular we need to be discussing with our kids besides their devices and that usage and social media. Is there anything else you see that's a great risk to them? Well, I think that one of the biggest challenges is we live in a society where our kids have come to rely very heavily upon their devices to such an extent that, that we're creating you know, multiple generations of young people who aren't able to function in, in what you and I would define as the real world. And they're, they're ultimately, they're creating a scenario where they've lost some of these social skills that we expect, or that would be what you'd expect from a kid who's coming of age. So it can really hinder their job prospects if your child doesn't have the ability to have a conversation with someone, to look him or her in the eye, to maintain eye contact. Um, someone who can actually interact, pick up the phone and use, use the phone to talk to someone, not just simply to use it as a texting device. And it's been a real challenge for, you know, I'm also, a bit, you know, I, I wear multiple hats. And one of those hats is, a business owner and, and trying to recruit really high integrity, smart young people to work at our firm. And I'm continually amazed at how hard it is sometimes to find kids who have had the opportunity to really develop their people skills and some of those soft skills, which are really critical when it comes to the workplace, because their whole lives, They've been spent uh, communicating with people via text message and chat, as opposed to knowing how to approach someone in real life and have a conversation face-to-face -face or speak to someone. And a lot of that has also been impacted by the pandemic. I know that college was a great place for one of my daughters was into joining everything. And when you're in clubs and organizations, you spend a lot more time meeting in person, developing those skills, as well as in-person classes and professor time and all that. So I know that that's been difficult for our kids. So it's another opportunity for us to, to help our kids to go, Hey, you know, maybe 
let's set down the devices or I'll put a link to uh, Tiffany Schlein's show in the show notes where she talks about a tech Shabbat. So those are some opportunities to teach our kids. So it sounds like basically we want to teach our kids. Um, we want to teach them to share with care, post with purpose, go back and continue having conversations with them about social media, about devices, about making choices and behavior, what are safer situations, things they need to be aware of, their circumstances, and and just realize that the choices they make about their their behavior, if they're drinking or smoking or doing drugs, if they are acting socially inappropriate, if they are participating in bullying behavior, if they're doing any of those things, all of those can get caught. So we're doing that. That's our preventative. What if our kid gets caught up? What if they make a bad decision? What if someone there, one of their friends makes a bad decision and our kid is caught up in that? Then what do we do? That's a tough one. And every situation is different and it always is based on the unique circumstances. Um, Unfortunately, families do need to be prepared in advance just by having on speed dial a couple of key resources that they hope they never need to draw upon, but that they still have those people. Um, And, and, you know, unfortunately in the world we live in today, having an attorney um, is important and having, having someone who can represent you if, if, and if, and when there is a circumstance that's something really worthwhile. The other thing is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying to your listeners, Hey, you need to, you know, call my firm and put us on retainer so that we're there. But I, I think that there are definitely lots of resources out there in terms of preventing crises or giving you an idea of, of what to do. If you find yourself in difficult circumstances, there are uh, a variety of different places you can turn. You know, some would be a, a crisis PR firm, a crisis manager. Um, these are all tools again, but the idea is you want to try to prevent this from happening in the first place. And then as a last resort, you do have, you know, already in advance, that you have the legal covered that you have potentially if there's, especially if you expect that this is going to be something that's going to get into the press or go viral online, then you're going to want to have someone who knows how to deal with that situation and contain crises. Those are all things that would be very helpful to have. Uh, The other thing that as parents, uh, our kids don't want to share access. A lot of times they want to uh, tell us that, it's an invasion of privacy to know what they're doing online. But, you know, certainly there's in, in my own home, there are restrictions on, on our kids have to agree to certain provisions. And we actually have a, a cell phone contract with our kid governing the, our kids, governing their use of technology. And it includes key provisions such as we have the ability to access your phone at any time. We always have to have your password. Um, I just think it's important. We have to put some parameters around our children because our, our kids certainly won't. You know, we're the parents and part of our job is, is to guide them in the right way and prepare them for adulthood. And we have to do our job as parents in being engaged and active in their lives. And that includes having an idea of what they're doing and saying online. 
So I'm not telling parents you need to go and you need to install spyware on all of the devices, but especially for parents of younger kids, installing software that's meant to keep your kids off of inappropriate pornographic websites or that gives you the, the ability to make sure your kids are safe. Uh, apps such as Life360 or other, other devices that give you an idea of where your kids are, uh, I think that it's incumbent upon us to be responsible and to take an active role in knowing what our kids are doing and saying and where they are. Well, I know you talk about embracing versus evading. Talk to us a little bit about that. Tell us what you mean by those two things. Well, embracing and not evading, I mean... Well, it's human nature when something terrible happens to run away. Like that's our first instinct is like, get away from this. It's fight or flight. And most of us, when it comes to something we don't know what to do with, we lean toward flight, which this is going to be a new circumstance for most people. So we want to evade it. What happens if we tend to do that, if we run away from it? So to answer that, I'll... uh... I'll use, I'll speak in metaphor for a moment and picture yourself as a turtle crossing a highway and you get halfway across the highway and you decide you're very uncomfortable. There's all these loud noises. You're in a tough situation. And so you pull into your shell. What's going to ultimately happen to that turtle? Unfortunately, it's only a matter of time before you're going to get absolutely flattened. And we live in a society where, whether we want to admit it or not, uh, we have to defend our reputations and we have to be engaged in conversations that impact us and impact our kids. And so the flip side of every crisis is opportunity. And many times difficult circumstances can be made better if you're willing to address the problem and go right at it. And I think that the same is true also, ironically, for, for parents. If you just if you if you're aware of an issue with your kid, just pretending it's not there or hoping it goes away, but not taking it head on and addressing it and having that perhaps uncomfortable situation, that doesn't ultimately serve you in the end because what's going to happen in the end, uh, the danger is going to be unavoidable. So I'm a big advocate for engagement, uh, engagement in the context of if there are important discussions weighing in, being willing to talk to your kids about things that may be uncomfortable. But also for me, I think what the key word to really emphasize with, with, with your kids is accountability. And they have to be accountable for their own. They can be accountable for their own actions and the decisions that they make. And as we were talking about earlier, there are so many things that are beyond our control in this day and age. And we live in a time that can be very stressful, you know, pandemic, political conflict, lots of drama every day. The news is filled with horror stories. Um, but, you know, if, if your kid is involved in something that could potentially be dangerous, you, you owe it to your kid to be engaged and to be, uh, as a parent, to be willing to have those tough conversations and 
to not ignore it and hope that it goes away, but instead to figure out a plan and talk to your kid and engage with them and do a lot more listening than talking. And if we're finding ourselves in crisis, though, this engagement needs to go way beyond being engaged with our child. We need to engage with the crisis and be proactive in dealing with that too, correct? I definitely agree with that. You don't, we don't have the luxury anymore. It used to be that you could sit back and just let something pass and hope that no one ever finds out about it. Even if, if you're talking about the context of a business, there could be a negative story online or in the newspaper and it's like, okay, one and done. Someone may or may not see the newspaper that day and it fades away. Well, now, thanks to the internet, things live forever. And so it's really important for parents to be engaged. And, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of another example, which is, has nothing to do with social media, but a gentleman who was a, a client of ours, his daughter was out. She made some really bad decisions. She had too much to drink. And rather than calling her parents or calling an Uber or a Lyft, she got in the car and she got caught. And it has led to tremendous problems for her because her mugshot was posted online. So now she doesn't have a common name. So if you Google her name for the longest time, what was coming up were her mugshots, a picture that captures the worst moment in this young person's life. And this young lady is in the process of applying for graduate schools and running into some issues because people were finding her photos and were asking questions about her criminal background, if you will. So. So what can we do though? I, you know, what are some of the things if we're, if we're engaging with this crisis, we're saying, okay, number one, we're going to talk to the other people involved, have conversation, maybe try if necessary, get some mediation is there anything we can do about that online footprint? Because obviously you can't make a mugshot go away, but is there anything we can do to like, you know, move that down the page? Or are there other situations where maybe we can, you know, by engaging, maybe we request that photos be removed from a website or commentary or something rather than, as you said, just going, well, okay, it'll fade away. No, we need to be more proactive and request that these things be removed and taken down and support our child in going through those actions and actually cleaning up the mess instead of just letting it be. Yeah. And there are steps you can take. And in some cases, these sites will be amenable to taking it down if you either engage with them directly or if you enlist support from Uh, someone who's got experience with online reputation management, that's what you want to look for is is, uh, an expert in that arena who can really help. Because to let it sit there, what people don't understand is not only is it bad because more people are seeing it and it's not fading away, but over time it becomes more and more entrenched based on the way that the search engine algorithms work. So unless there is creation of new content and a story that more accurately reflects the person, then the negatives can take, a, take hold and then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where all people are seeing is the negative because the parents and the kid didn't take action to counter 
misinformation or the, the bad information or the embarrassing information. So back to your, your point about engaging versus invade, evading, I think that's a, a perfect example of where you're better off served by engaging than you are evading and just hoping that things are going to get better because they would ultimately won't. And you mentioned accountability. Two things. One, I just want to remind us as parents that when Evan mentioned accountability and we're I'm thinking about trying to have these conversations with our kids and help them understand something that physiologically they're not necessarily really ready to understand and yet we need them to, right? One thing we can do is let them have accountability for all their actions in their life. So at least they understand the concept that their actions have consequences and consequences are always bad things. They can do something that can have good consequences, right? So let them just see how actions flow through and what happens afterward. But then helping them take accountability. What kinds of things should they be doing, Evan, to be accountable if there is if they are the one who created a crisis, if they did something to somebody else, they injured another party? Well, I think some of it gets back to has nothing to do with the modern age or the modern tools, but gets back to you know good parenting in general, which is if you know that your child has done something, you first have to not ignore it, but you have to go right at it. You have to uh, confront it. And then I think you know kids you know, if they do something that harms someone else, certainly my my feeling is it's not enough to apologize to the parents. Uh, you have to apologize to the person who you've harmed and that you have not treated fairly. And so that that's really important. I think that kids learn that people can make mistakes. None of us are infallible, but it's that willingness to learn from it and grow and show empathy that they, they need practice with that. It's not something that, that necessarily, you know, for some kids, it comes very naturally. For others, they need to learn it over time. But it's a really important lesson that we as parents can teach our kids. And I, I really like the point that you made that it's not always about catching our kids doing things wrong and correcting them. We, we should be catching our kids doing things right and rewarding them and calling out when they do things that make us proud. And, you know, every once in a while as, as a parent, you get reminded, sometimes we lose perspective because we're with our kids all the, you know, so much of the time, especially over the, the years of the pandemic. And we see the good, the bad, the ugly. And often the people who, who aren't living in our house or aren't with our kids all the time, they see, they see our kids when they're at their best, not necessarily what we get to see, which is sometimes, unfortunately, when they're at their worst. So I was reminded of that the other day when I, I went to, I went over to, my son went over to a friend's house and he wanted to spend some time there and then ultimately spend the night. And I said, well, I have to go over there to drop you off. I want to meet the parents. So I wanted to one, make sure that the parents were in the home so that my 15 year old wasn't going over to a house where he told me it's a trust, trust and verify kind of deal. He told me the parents were going to be there, but I wanted to make sure that I saw it with my own eyes first. And then I, you know, I knocked on the door and I introduced myself because I wanted to meet the parents and, and I wanted to see, you know, you learn a lot when you, when you greet someone and you shake their hand, you look them in the eye and you talk to them for a few minutes. You see how 
how they keep their home. And, you know, needless to say, he, he got to stay and spend the night and it was a really nice family. And I actually kind of hit it off with the dad and we had a good conversation, but, you know, he pulled me aside and he said, you know, your, your son is such a great kid. I just wanted you to know that. And I was like, a little taken aback because I'd just seen him be a really crummy kid earlier in the day. And I was very frustrated with him and kind of at my wits end, he's like, whenever he comes here, he's so polite. He's always respectful. He always looks me in the eye. He seems to be really good at speaking to adults. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, well, he, I can't get him to look me in the eye. I don't find him to be very respectful at all. Uh, but again, what we as parents see aren't, isn't necessarily the way that our kids are behaving with other people. And sometimes, unfortunately, they're, they're much worse with us than they are with others. Well, at home, number one, hopefully they feel this is a safe environment and they know that no matter what they do, we're going to love them and we're going to be there for them. So having the ability to act out is a good and healthy thing for them. Number two, as teens, they need to push away from us, right? We're told that it's not a pleasant experience necessarily. And it's important. It's important for them to grow and for them to be comfortable enough to assert their own ideas and their thoughts and their opinions. And then for us to, to move into that place where we have conversations with them about it. And I wanted to circle back to something that you said, Evan, you were, when we were talking about kids being accountable for their actions and if they harm somebody else, you know, go back and apologize. And I want to add to that a little bit because I'm discovering that people have different ideas of what apologize means. And here in the mighty parenting world, apologize can be saying the words and sometimes not depending on the kid, the words don't necessarily have to come. What it also means though, is they're actually making amends for what they did. If they're looking for a way to actually right the wrong. And so they may not actually say, I apologize or I am sorry specifically, but if they go to the person that they hurt and they say, well, you said, um, Evan, you said, learn, grow and show empathy. Right. And so that's really what we're looking for is if they can admit and just say, I shouldn't have done this, or I wish I had done this differently. Like, admit that I, I did something wrong and I, and show that I've learned from this. And then the empathy piece is I would like to, and it depends what happens. If you broke somebody's window, then obviously you replace the window. If they crushed their phone, they can buy them a new phone. If they did something that is more emotional based, then they'll have to talk to this person and find out what will help them feel better. But I appreciate that idea of saying, Hey, you know, let's, let's get out there and let's actually be accountable and take responsibility for this. And, and that's a lot of what you talk about in your work is when there's a crisis, engage, be accountable, apologize. And you're talking about companies, but the principles are the same. What I hear you telling us is the principles are the same, whether it's a they company are. or a family. And so we want to get out there and we want to engage with the situation and, and, do, and show that, show the learning, the growing and showing some empathy, making amends for it. I appreciate so much that you brought this to us, Evan. And for anyone who wants to learn more from you, where can they find you? You can find me at our website, which is redbanyan.com. You can find me on 
all manners of social media where I'm sharing with care and posting with purpose, of course, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, either Red Banyan or, or Evan Nearman by name, and you'll find me. And we'll, of course, have links to that in the show notes on MightyParenting.com. So thank you, Evan, for taking time to be here with us today. So appreciate that. Thank you for having me. And Mighty Parents, thank you for being here. Remember, if you're here and you're listening, you already are a Mighty Parent. You got this. And I will see you next week. Mighty Parents, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Mighty Parenting Podcast. If you're ready for more, visit MightyParenting.com where you can get your free email series, How to Talk to Your Teen, with tips for communicating with your teen in a way that builds connection and communication. And of course, remember to share the podcast with another parent to support them on their parenting journey.